This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between. This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network, this is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. My name is Jordan Groves and I am joined this week by Mr. Greg Meisner, who's just returned from Daytona. Hello, Greg. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Are you tired? I have not been this exhausted in a very long time. <laughs> I, I I can't believe I, saw, I survived the week of Michelin Pilot and then actually stayed for all of Daytona. I, I checked my Pokemon Go app. <laughs> like as we were getting on the plane to leave Orlando, I walked fifty five kilometers. Jeez, was that whilst playing Pokemon Go? Did did you commit? To I mean, it I just had then? it in my pocket. I okay. just had it in my pocket when it and it it knows when I'm walking. Connects uh, okay. to my my Samsung Health app. I was right? going to say so. So rather than have an actual pedometer, <clears throat> you just use Pokemon Go. Um, for like the big numbers, yeah, yeah, because it counts it by the week. If I want to look at the day, I'll look at my Samsung Health app. Gotcha. But if I want to look at the week, you know. Uh, I'll look at Pokemon Go. One one day though, I did twenty six thousand steps for about twelve miles. Damn. So yeah, <laughs> it's, I'm fucking tired. So yeah, you're tired. <laughs> uh, we are also joined by Mr. JD Daniel. Hello, JD. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Greg. I'm not extremely jealous of you being at Daytona. Oh, we all are. <laughs> I mean, y'all are going to Indy this year, so that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's arguably a larger attended event. Yeah, yeah, I, but I hate people. So yeah, exactly. That's the irony. In this. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's extremely fair. Um, before we get on to actually talking about what happened in the Rolex Twenty Four, in part two, we will have some other racing action because um, apparently there was some other racing that happened over the weekend, but the Rolex was obviously the most important thing. Uh, we'll also talk about some <laughs> Formula One news uh, that came out uh, in an unbelievable move that's seen Formula One manage to make Circuit de Barcelona-Catalunya popular. But first, we must talk about the Rolex, and seeing as though you were there, Greg, last year um, you were obviously in attendance with Core for the Mission Pilot race, but you didn't actually get to stay for the Rolex last year, so... Because you were able to stay this year, what was it like attending the Rolex as a fan? I'm sure we'll hear about it from the others on ITA, but what was your experience like? Um, it was a it was a good one. This is the second time I've stayed for a race. Last year I stayed for uh, uh, Laguna Seca, right, and that was that was a pretty good experience. But the race was only two hours long. I was pretty much just in one little tiny spot the whole time. It was me, Adam Poppin House. And uh, one of the other guys from ZFG, Skyler. And we just sat, drank some beers, watched the cars go around, and then went home, right? 
That is not the case at Daytona International Speedway for the Rolex 24 of Daytona. I hesitated there. We'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, uh, it it's such a surreal event, right? I mean, the, the costumes come out Friday or Saturday morning, you know, and people are already drunk on the on the grid walk, you know, <laughs> like we saw a bunch of dudes in like American flag robes and they were like like old dudes, old Florida dudes and just like just bathrobes, right? With underwear on underneath. Uh, saw a bunch of Ferrari dudes running around with clown like they were in Ferrari. The Ferrari uh, strategists. Yeah, they were in the, the Ferrari jumpsuits with fucking clown wigs and nose wigs and noses and shit on them. It was fucking fantastic. Uh, st- stayed for the starter race. Went went uh, up to the three, the third level in the stands. I'm not a fan of heights. That's way the fuck up there, dude. <laughs> like, and it, the, the stands are steeper than they look. It was my first time in the grandstands of Daytona and, you know, you're walking through the concourse and shit, the mezzanines on the <clears throat> upper levels and it's all open in there. You just look over a rail and there's your death way down there on the ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just, I, yeah, I did not have a good time. I, I, we had to go somewhere and I had to drink at least two beers for me to get up and go like walk down the stairs <laughs> to get to, to go somewhere else. Oh, it was insane. Uh, saw the Beemans out there, did um, more than a couple of tequila shots saw on saw air or off air both excellent <laughs> yeah yeah tune into that episode <laughs> it gets weird i'm not gonna lie <laughs> the picture you guys shared was terrifying enough like i mean you don't like the 360 the 360 gopro pictures you look like a greek demon like <laughs> me or all of us together? All of all of you. Like you look oh, like the like, dog that guards the, the that's guarding <laughs> that room in Philosopher's Stone. Cerebrus, Cerebrus, yeah, yeah. Cerebrus. Yeah. yeah. No, it was oh, it was a lot gosh. of fun. It was a lot a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I got to meet a bunch of really cool people. A guy with the most made up name I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna call him out because uh, it's a great you know, name. It it is a great name though. Uh, yeah. Just it was just a, a fucking awesome experience. Not quite on the uh, party levels of Sebring, or at least the Sebring of old that I've heard of, but definitely up there. Definitely up there. Those guys, uh, those guys party all night. They do not stop. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, we'll get on to um, what you were doing there with Core um, a little bit later when we briefly mentioned the Mission and Pilot Challenge race. Uh, first, we should probably talk about the Rolex 24, um, and what a race it was. It had a little bit of everything. It was a really, really good race. There was some controversy throughout um, a little bit, um, but the highlight, of course, was the front of the field, the GTP class, and it very quickly, I think, became apparent that it was going to be a battle between Porsche and Cadillac, uh, almost from the outset. Um, the Cadillacs seemed to have the edge throughout the heat of the day, but then the Porsches came into their own uh, as the sun came down and then overnight. And um, then we got, as if it wasn't tense enough, because, you know, the Rolex 24s are always close near the end, we had a half an hour sprint to the finish 
after a uh, strategically well-timed fire for one of the Lexuses. We'll talk about them in a bit. Um, and what we retreated to was n- they never quite got to each other. Uh, the seven uh, Porsche Penske car that was driven by Felipe Nasser at the time and the 31 Cadillac being driven by Tom Bloomquist at the time. Um, but the final half an hour was so, so tense. They, they they never, you know, at no point could you breathe. There were several times where the Porsche was, was darting under braking for turn one and I collectively shit my pants. Um, and in the end... Um, the race, the checkered flag flew. We'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> and um, and uh, Porsche Penske would take the win with the number seven team. Um, very briefly, none of our none of our picks came out. So so far in the nope. predictor challenge, we're still we're, we're still O. But I was the I closest. The wrong Porsche. You, you picked the wrong Porsche. You did. But what, my my pick finished third. So I'll take that. I, I, I was happy with that. But, um, yeah, how about Penske, huh? Yeah, they yeah, really... man, they they really showed up for the race, man. Uh, and what a year for Joseph Newgarden. Uh-huh, man. yeah. Indy right. 500 in May, Rolex 24 in January, following up on uh, Elio Castroneves when he did it a couple years ago. Dude's having a good time. <laughs> can, yeah. can we crown him Captain America now, please? Because Ryan Hunter Ray definitely doesn't deserve it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. Ve- I, I don't want to make this all about Joseph Newgarden because Peacock did and en- did that enough. Um, but I did love what Joseph said after the race. He said he felt quote a little awkward after winning because he felt like he was a guy just having a good time, and then the other guys won him a race. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> which i think is grossly unfair because his pace was 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 really really good when he was in the car um but he was saying he said quote uh, i've driven open wheel cars for the last 12 years um i'm you're very singularly focused in in a lot of ways in that sport and over here sports car racing i feel like i've got a family that i'm really proud of that was really really sweet oh i loved that that, that was uh, in an interview he did uh with racer magazine um it yeah. helps when your family has Felipe Nasser and Matt freaking Campbell in it. And <laughs> Dane Cameron, yeah. And Dane Cameron. They're all freaking studs. Like, yeah. I- I'm most excited for Matt Campbell because I- I've loved watching him since I saw him like debut of Porsche at the Bathurst 12 hour. And he's he had a lot of bad luck last year, so I'm really happy to see him get a dub. Matt Campbell's just awesome. All the Kiwi race car drivers are awesome. <laughs> and Felipe Nasser as well. Like I, I'll always root for Felipe. Uh, he was a driver that really didn't get a fair shot when he was in Formula One. Uh, you know, he was incredibly impressive in, in the years that he had, but was just cast aside when he was the person doing the lion's share of the scoring. Um, so I, I love to see drivers like that get to prove themselves, and he has proved himself again and again and again. It's It's just a really cool line up and i I'll, I'll say yes i was rooting for the nine six uh, for uh, for the nine six freeze rather than the cadillacs um but I, I think overall i don't think there was many people that were unhappy with porsche winning except those that thought it was a conspiracy because <laughs> we need to talk about the checkered flag um the there, there was an awkward situation i i, I won't 
people have blown this up to be a bigger issue than perhaps I feel it is. I'll let you guys comment as to whether you agree in a moment. But what happened was um, halfway through the final lap for the G, or what ended up being the final lap for the GTPs, we'd had no white flag. And then all of a sudden, the checkered flag was coming out. And they, they, they didn't throw a white flag. They threw the checkered flag. It turned out to be about, there should have been another lap. The um, IMSA put out a statement um, literally a couple of hours ago um, saying, due to an officiating error in race control, IMSA inadvertently announced and subsequently displayed the white flag with under three minutes remaining in the race. The white flag didn't come for the GTPs, hence the confusion. Uh, at the end of the lap, the race-leading seven GTP car received the checkered flag with one minute and 35 seconds still remaining, ending the race short of the planned 24 hours by effectively a lap. Now, in <laughs> Joseph New, it was very confusing. I- I'll-, I'll admit it was messy. Joseph Newgarden did a full another lap, basically at full speed, which is exactly what I would have done, <laughs> just to be like, yeah. I am not stopping just in case. But as is the case in all of motorsport, once you see the checkered flag, it doesn't matter. That is the race over. We've seen it a few times in Formula One. Um, there were a lot of people online who seemed to take that a lot worse than it really needed to be. For me, it was just it was a silly little error, but it didn't impact anything. Like no positions changed, or wouldn't have would have changed on that final lap had it been that way. Especially for the front, you know, uh, uh, Bloomquist had hit some heavy traffic on what ended up being the final lap he wouldn't have caught him and i dare say none of the other class wins would have changed at all not even the class podiums i I don't think anything really was going to change because of this final lap so has it been blown out of proportion a little bit oh yeah 100 percent. if you're on facebook look guys if you're listening and you're on facebook and you're in that r24 rolex 24 at daytona group 17.3 thousand members i want to say about 12,000 of them have said something about the end of the race and how they're pissed off about it i don't they they act like they were in the Whalen engineering cadillac fucking gtp running them down you know and 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 again like you said it didn't change y'all watched 23 hours and 58 minutes of a 24-hour race Half you were drunk most of the time anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a guy walking around with his balls out of a fucking uh, Hooters. He was wearing a Hooters waitress costume with his balls hanging out. I don't think that guy gave a fuck. (laughs) Oh my God. I I don't think that guy cared. I don't know why you guys do. Was it it Chase Elliott? (laughs) Oh no. Anyway, um, wow, that's a an image I'm going to struggle to shake. Um, God, where were we going? Oh, yeah, the, the checkered flag. No, <laughs> it, it feels like a thing these days where you have to be angry about everything. You you can't have any kind of nuance over a situation. Uh, it, it feels totally blown out of proportion. Yeah, it's, it's definitely blown way out of proportion. Like you guys said, it didn't affect any of the finishing positions. Is it disappointing and a kind of a stupid error? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, definitely nothing malicious. Um, there is a, 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 a video done by Marshall Pruitt showing IMSA's race control. It is a super small team of people doing all the race control, like packed into a tiny room. Like they have a tough job as it is. So I understand why sometimes there's a delay in certain things, but other things I I don't I 
like with cautions and safety cars being deployed, I don't think they do the best job, but we can get to that a little bit later. Um, but as far as like just the race ending, it was 23 hours, 58 minutes of outstanding racing from all the classes. There's only like one or two cars that had a little bit of issues throughout the whole event, but it was a, a great freaking time. Um, you know, the race still had a late race restart. We got the finish that it deserved as far as like the winners the porsche was pulling away from the cadillac it's not a big deal oh yeah. my gosh uh, yeah I, <laughs> i'm really glad this is a podcast and not a visual medium and i'm damn sure that i'm not putting a clip of this on there because greg has got the hooters person in the background and <laughs> do not this zoom was, in <laughs> this was the, this is on facebook there's no nudity. Excellent. In this picture, I, I right? don't care. Yeah. I don't want to take a chance. <laughs> Very befittingly standing next to the 33 at like, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning and during the race in the pits. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, it was in the pits more than it wasn't. So, I mean, it's quite normal. You're right. We'll talk about the 33 in a moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to dwell too much on the checkered flag thing, despite the fact that this episode is called the Rolex 23 hours and 58 minutes. Um, hey, it's catchy. Clickbait. Yeah, we're, exactly. You know, I'm not above it. that. I, I don't. Yeah, there's not, not much all. that I am above. Um, this is us talking about it there. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a shame. It, it's a shame that it happened, but it happened. IMSA aren't denying it. You know, they put out a statement addressing it. I'm sure everything. I'm sure it won't happen again because we've seen worse you know and honestly i'm sure it will happen again but you know what y'all aren't on the race teams y'all watch the race on peacock you'll watch the race in person it's not like you were there for two minutes less than you were paying to be you know if you stayed there and camped you're probably just now pulling out this morning anyway (laughs) monday so i don't think it, it didn't affect anybody's experience and it didn't affect the race ending at all so uh go fuck yourselves yeah people, ju- <laughs> people just like to be angry um so yeah the um yeah the, the seven penske ended up winning in gtp um it was about two seconds in the end back to the 31 car as i said it was a lot closer it was under a second until the very closing laps when uh when um bloomquist hit some bad traffic nevertheless they finished second Third would go to the 40 Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti car. Uh, as I said, my pick, I'm, I was kind of hoping that the front le- the front two would come together a little bit so that I could be proven somehow right. Um, the 40 came back from a some adversity. I believe it stopped uh, in the middle of the night and had to be reset, basically. A good old control alt delete. Yeah. Hey. Um, both, both accurate had that happen. And, and one... one was able to be reset (laughs) um spoiler alert so with with those cars i i think there needs to be something done about that and they touched on it a little bit on the broadcast i i had a i had a headphones in you know much of the day and night listening to imsa radio because i mean i'm walking around i can't hear shit um so i guess apparently because the thing is a hybrid system right and if the electrics die on the car you can't and if it dies in first gear you can't pop it out of first gear into neutral mm. right it's just stuck that's why they, that's why they couldn't push it back behind the wall they had to come get a truck like physically lift it up put it on a flatbed and then get it out of there i think they need to just i mean 
I'm not an engineer, but I think there needs to be some kind of manual disconnect of the drive line that, you know, the, the, at least temporarily so you can move the car. As I was going to say, do, do they not have the same clutch release exterior thing that, that we have in Formula One and stuff like that? Do they not have that in GTP? I, I don't think so, because like I said, the car was stuck. I, I think those are... Like those can actually like they'll break the car. Like you can't just pull that and then will the car then push it back in. I think that like kills the drivetrain. It shears the car out of the train. Them. Yeah. So in in the case of an endurance race, you know where they would want to get back out. Obviously, they didn't want to pull that or push that yeah. to in, in case it meant that they couldn't get out. Yeah, that's I mean, valid. Both in both instances, like the drivers got out of the car just to see if the car was safe to jump out of the hybrid status yeah. light. And thankfully, the cars were in a safe state when when they did that. Mm. But it was very unfortunate, though. Both cars hadn't really shown the raw pace that we saw last year against the, especially this year against the Porsche and the Cadillac. It was really those two cars running the show, um, except for the no, the Ganassi Cadillac was up there a little bit, but it's mostly the number thirty one and the po- whichever Porsche. Was there at the time yeah. when the number six wasn't shooting itself in the foot with the energy yes. overload? <laughs> yes, I was going to get on to that. Yeah, so the the 40 uh, Acura managed to hold off the, the six uh, by just under, uh, like half a second in the end. It was really, really close. The six was right in contention uh, in, the cl- in the closing stages. However, it kept having these problems throughout. Uh, uh, was it four? Drive four times for four for overuse on a sp- on a, um, uh, energy over a stint, um, yep. and then wow. they shot themselves in the foot again uh, in, on a pit stop in the uh, on the Sunday where uh, on pit exit uh, I think it was Estre at the time driving, yep. uh, yes. snatched a brake and uh, almost hit the wall at the International Horseshoe, and then spent about a minute trying to get the car back onto the track. Um, they then there was this awkward stage when they were just holding off. Uh, the 31 that was leading at the time uh, to try and stay on the lead lap. And then they got the caution, which put them back in contention. I, I, I've got to say, if if the six didn't have those constant over, over energy um, situations, I feel like they could have run away with this race. I agree completely. I mean, I saw them in the middle of the night, you know, they were charging back to the front. I think they were leading for a spell as well, but yeah, just those constant drive through penalties. And that's what a, a minute worth the time almost I a mean, minute every time just yeah trun- just trundling down the pit lane they could have lapped the field <laughs> i don't yeah just- well i mean i guess the reason they had so much pace is they were breaking the rules yeah <laughs> so you know if they weren't but breaking like, the rules we might have a different story you know but we don't know why that's happening obviously they don't know why but i know in the regulations the cars are only allowed to make 670 horsepower at the wheels combination between the internal combustion engines and the hybrid systems so obviously at night denser air the engines making more power maybe they weren't able to dial back the hybrid power as much so then they're going over those torque limits so that's unfortunate and it's good that they know the issue just sucks that it completely ruined the race many times over yeah so there goes my pick that's why i'm upset about it (laughs) i digress um further back in the class uh the uh five proton competition porsche finished fifth ahead of the 85 uh jdc miller motorsports car that ended up being two laps down and then you had the bmws which uh, really hit pain overnight i believe 
the 25 and the 24 finishing 13 and 15 laps down respectively and you know whilst all the other manufacturers had periods where they were at least in the lead even the Acuras at one point did lead albeit over a uh, pit cycle the BMWs didn't seemed to really have the pace in the race that they, they were closer in qualifying which was good to see and we commented last week that they like what a difference a year makes but they were still just missing something this weekend down at bmw um Raffaele marciello <laughs> yeah probably um and then the final two uh gtps you had uh were non-finishers the wayne taylor racing number 10 uh stopped as we said with this issue and then could not be um it ended up getting craned off the track but then wasn't able to rejoin the race and then you had the number one cadillac um of uh polo van der zander Bourdais, and dixon uh the, the cadillac curse continues Th- that car was fast it was like, fast they, I, d- I don't think put, it quite had the wheel and engineering's pace but i don't know because they, they put alex polo in that car during the night he rocketed up the field. It was utterly disgusting how fast he was going. I uh, mean, is anyone surprised? <laughs> uh, yeah, shock horror. Alex Pillow and Scott Dixon in the car really fast. <laughs> I mean, but you have also Ringer Van Der Zen and Sebastian Bourdais in that car. Those aren't, it's not like it's, they're slouches either. No, no. Nope. That's the thing. This, this field is, nobody's a slouch as far as the GTP field's concerned. It was, Oh, it is just disgusting. That's why I have so them happy. to win the GTP championship. Well, they're off to a bad start with that, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, down into LMP2 now, uh, and it was Era Motorsport with the number 18 that would take victory with uh, Merriman, Dalziel, uh, Connor Zilich, and Christian yeah. Rasmussen behind the wheel. And I want to give a shout out to Zilich. He's now, I believe, in the, the top four youngest winners of the Rolex 24. Second youngest. Second yeah. youngest. Wow. Second youngest. Seventeen years old, and what a guy! Like, he jumped also in. Also driving Miatas the same week. Yeah, know? naturally. Yeah. You know, jumped in for his debut in 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 LMP2, I believe, was this race, and he was mixing it in the class lead when he was in the car. Like, really, really impressive from Zilich in particular. Yeah, he was going against Christian Rasmussen and the racecraft. Those two put on just the show was incredible. Well, Rasmussen was in the same car. Who is he battling? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. George Kurtz? It, it, no. Was it, it CrowdStrike or was it Riley? Yeah, yeah, it was CrowdStrike. It, whoever, the P2s put on a master class of race crafts. Naturally, as they're always. Battling. <laughs> it, it, was, it was so refreshing to see good, hard-fought, but fair racing throughout the field and throughout all the classes, or most of the classes. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, like just seeing that and just it gave me hope for the future of racing that everyone isn't following F1's lead where I'm side by side with the guy and I'm just gonna shove him off the track. This this was if you want to teach racecraft to people, teach new fans coming in from F one or anywhere else or teaching kids, show them the replays of the battles in this race. Phenomenal, like how you use traffic to set up moves on other cars, how you use traffic to defend, how you set up a move, get a good exit, and then how you leave racing room being hard but fair. I I loved it. I was so entertained by this race. I was jumping up and down and screaming. And Connor Zilich, I mean, we already praised him. 
stud in MX5. Turns out stud in the P2 as well as only 17. I'm not incredibly jealous. <laughs> also just signed by Trackhouse. Yeah, uh, and Trackhouse. This guy's this guy's having a this guy's having a, a come up. It's right his now. moment. I, I'm, <laughs> Watch yeah, out, I'm, Max Verstappen. Watch out, Kyle I'm here for it. Um, it would be 6.8 seconds between Aero Motorsport and the second place CrowdStrike racing car of uh, Kurtz Brown, uh, Toby Sowery, and uh, Jakobsen. Um, and then the battle for third was really raging over the last few laps. It was just uh, 1.1 seconds between the three of them at the finish, with Riley in the 74 taking third place with Robinson, Felipe Fraga, Josh Burden, and Felipe Massa behind the wheel. So I'm looking forward to in 2036 when Felipe Massa launches a legal campaign to try and win this race. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They would be just ahead of the Inter-Europol car of uh, Schmikowski, Bull, Dillman, and Fittipaldi. Fittipaldi, a late substitution after Clement Novelak was injured in a crash in the pit lane, I believe, in the uh, the practice between qualifying and the race. Um, I still don't really know what happened in the pit lane to cause Clement uh, to pull out. Really, really strange incident. Um, but yeah. Pietro, given the fact that he had no practice, he jumped in the car quite early on Saturday, uh, like quite quite early at the start of the race. He looked he looked great. His pace was fantastic. So f- full power to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I it really sucks that they didn't have a good good result this week because I I was I was seriously rooting for him. Right. I I love this team in WEC. Uh, you know, it's just that they're, they're not supposed to be successful given the size of the team and all that. And yet they are. And I, I fucking love that. I was really wanting to come here. Wanted to kind of hit, I really wanted them to come here to Daytona for the first time and actually do well. And it just, it well, didn't work fourth out for is them. good. I mean, no, it's yeah. very, it's very good, but on their standards, I'm sure they're kicking themselves yeah. in the ass on the way home, you know? Of course. Yeah. Into Europe, you know, they're teamed up with Riley here in IMSA, but they are definitely one of the stalwarts of LMP2s in European Le Mans series until obviously they don't race LMP2s anymore. So it's great to see them over on this side of the pond and, you know, them giving the respect and receiving the same respect that they deserve from all the competitors here. So that was, that was really good to see. Um, finishing fifth on the tail of that trio would be the Tower Motorsports number eight. They were very nearly on the podium. They very briefly had third inside the closing laps with Scott McLaughlin closing out the stint of driving uh, in the car. Uh, but they would have to be fifth and the final car on the lead lap in LMP2. Uh, that car also driven by John Ferrano, uh, Dinan, and uh, Ferdy Habsburg, who I completely neglected to remember was in this race. That's a shame. Um, they didn't put all of his names down on the results sheet. Can't imagine why. His 37 mm. name long surnames. Great. <laughs> That's got to be a <laughs> trivia quiz answer. His name, pick five of his surnames. Um, United Autosports had a mixed race. Well, by mixed, disappointing. Uh, the two car was two laps down in sixth place. Meanwhile, the 22 retired very early after just 128 laps after an incident uh, at the International Horseshoe, I believe it was. Um, yeah, a shame for the both of them. Uh, stacked lineups, uh, you know, Pato Award, Ben Keating, uh, Pino, Ben Hanley. Um, and then in the other car, Goldberg, Deresta, uh, Garg, and Rosenqvist. You know, it was a shame to not see them mix it up a little bit more, but just bad luck of the draw this time around. Um, other highlights, the uh, 99 of AO Racing, Spike, uh, 
Hey, um, hey. They did finish the race. They were the last finisher in the LMP2 class, albeit 14 laps down after some issues. Again, overnight, I believe it was brutal. Um, they still finished ahead of uh, the first... Uh, <laughs> The first of the listed retirements in LMP2, but let's be honest, the fact that they did 510 laps was a minor miracle considering how many times the number 33 <laughs> for Sean Creech Motorsport was stopped on the broadcast. <laughs> the 33 very much felt like the talk of the race for much of this, um, as many people wondered where the dentists were going to go after LMP3 um was removed from the top series it turns out they all went to lmp2 um <laughs> and i want to start by saying you know it's it wasn't a good race for sean creech motorsport let's let's not beat around no. the bush with that but it wasn't all on the drivers or a particular driver that was the result was in the car for much of the problems there were some car issues there as well you had the engine cover fly off whether that was negligence or just a failure who knows um you know it's it, it's very easy to to bash the drivers in this situation and i'm there there needs to be some criticism there but drivers like lance wilsey are necessary <laughs> what do you what do you mean by necessary sports car racing runs off of gentlemen drivers paying for seats and teams to okay, run racing. So it wouldn't be fair to just say, okay, make IMSA pros only. So then we can have these amateurs not be in there. Everyone wants to be able to be in that position to pay to race but the expectation, especially with people, the quality of Ben Keating is that we, if you're going to do that, you have to be really freaking good or up to a certain standard to compete. And I'm not saying that they don't have talent. It's just that this was not a good display for that team, for future gentlemen drivers. It was showing how not to do it. It's really unfortunate. Again, don't want to pick on the one guy, but it was... You just saw the same car over and over causing every single caution, or at least 90% of the cautions in the race, and becoming a meme. And that does not look good for a series experiencing a boom like IMSA is. Yeah. They weren't the only car with gentlemen drivers who had troubles. Just that every time they said trouble on the broadcast, they'd pan and zoom to a certain car with stars and bars. But I mean... You could enact something like they do at dirt tracks. Three strikes and you're out. You know, you cause this X many cautions and you get shown the door, I, at I, least for a race. Yeah, I, I do feel like there's room for that kind of thing where, especially towards yeah. the end of the race, it seemed as though not really through driver error, there were just a lot of technical errors on that car. It was going out and immediately stopping several times. And yeah. I do feel like, as, as you were saying, maybe there is a point where you've just got to say to someone, look, you really need to fix your shit. Because you're yeah. ruining the race for everybody else. It's causing full course cautions. It's not small problems. You know, you've got to, mean, you've got to sort it out or. You've gotta, yeah. You, you, you must, uh, you must perform up to a certain standard. And if you can't do that, um, you don't get to finish the race because again, it, it does affect the way everybody else is performing. And especially if you're a gentleman driver, you're coming in, where into a place where these people are like earning their money. Yeah. You know, these are these these are the, their livelihoods here, and you're you're just you're affecting that because it could affect a win. A win means a bonus. Yeah. A bonus means 
something they, else. You they know. and the twenty directly affected the Vassar Sullivan Lexuses. I, I know we'll get to them later on, but it was the battle between the thirty-three and the twenty with some shenaniganry that ended the number fourteen's race then and there. You know, and the twenty had issues as well. <laughs> they're there almost as much as the thirty-three. The eleven, it, I believe. No, it's the, the twenty LMP two with Stephen Thomas. I believe so. The eleven. It's the eleven. It was the eleven. The the twenty-two is uh, or the twenty is high class racing, MDK. Okay, well, one of the other LMP twos, they yeah. also had a bunch of issues after the thirty-three was done with its lion share, like uh, going off in the bus stop a couple times and you know, being punted around. It was like I don't. It didn't detract from the race overall. Like it, it was definitely a mark on the race, but like it, I don't think they should be taken out. They just need a stern talking to, you, like, hey make sure you're driving within your means and not ruining other people's races. You know, it, it's a hard place to be in, but you know, like other than those two cars, and this is all in really the first half of the race, it, you know, once they calmed down and took their gentleman drivers out, the, the race kept on going. It was a really ev- like eventless race in terms of on track crashes or anything aside from the incidents involving those two. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the GTD Pro class, and it would be Risi Competizione that would get the win um, as one of the two classes that actually completed 24 hours of racing. Um, the, the 62 would end up winning by over a lap um, ahead of AO Racing's Rexy, uh, the pole-sitting car. I think they did a really good job. Um, they They had some... Uh, some things that were holding them back, and I think they did well to hold on to second place in the seventy-seven. But overall, again, well, after what we said when they took pole, you know, we we were saying when they moved up to GTD Pro, you know, why are they doing this when they didn't exactly light the world on fire in GTD? C- consider that argument ended. You know that 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 car, that crew, and that lineup of Heinrich Prio and Christensen did a really really good job. Yeah, they fucking nailed it. For, yeah, if their lineup wasn't a statement of intent, then their performance definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Risi Competizione as well, because that also means that in the last, within the last year, Ferrari have won the Le Mans 24 with the hypercar. They won the Nürburgring 24 with the uh, 296. And now they've won the Daytona 24 with the 296. Excellent. <laughs> and, uh, the IMSA TV broadcast, they interviewed Mr. Reese during the race, and he's very soft-spoken, and uh, he, he knows when to keep his mouth shut and to be vague. They asked him about getting a, a customer Ferrari 499P, and he said, well, with Ferrari, there's lots of things said and lots of things that aren't said. <laughs> you know, a 499P takes a lot of financial backing, and Ferrari has told us that they need two years to fix all the bugs with the car. This is the second year. And I gave it a little shrug. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, I was kind of sad and disappointed not to see a Ferrari on the grid for this year. And I'm still waiting. I've said this multiple times for a car built to hypercar regulations to come over and do an IMSA race. Cause I'm really interested to see how that dynamic works. And I do think it will be Ferrari that will be the first to do. So I'll be very surprised if there isn't a Ferrari on the grid next year. And that was before I, I didn't know about that conversation. Um, oh yeah, I, 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 
I think if he can find the backing, we'll see a Ferrari 499P in IMSA next year. Yeah, and like if just, we don't see one for either, either AF Corsa or Rissi Competizione or both, you know, that would be great to see. I, I think yeah. that would be a massive shame and a surprise if that didn't happen. Um, go on, give it to him. Give it to him. Um, <laughs> joining uh, Reese and Ayo racing on the podium in GTD Pro would be Paul Miller racing in the number one. They had a race that was not bereft of incident for themselves after a puncture in the uh, second half of the race, I believe it was. And they were running good up until then. They, they, they had brake issues. Oh, they that were was, oh that, yes. that Was was that the one that didn't seat the brake properly on the right front? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They they were in contention for the win, and then they had their brake rotors essentially crack, and then they tried to replace it and it didn't seat properly. So then Sheldon Vandalinda had to limp the car all the way around the track with the tire hanging off of it, trying to come off. Utterly gutting to see what they went through in the it was in the last couple hours of the race. It just just ended it for them in terms of being in contention. So gutted for them they were my pick for my for the overall championship in gtd they looked really really strong so that's good for the rest of the season but just heart-wrenching for that entire team for for this race yeah um and and at least they you know they managed to fight through and still managed to get a podium albeit three laps down the attrition in gtd yeah. pro was quite something um that you know even the po- even third on the podium was three laps down then in fourth they were six laps down the heart of racing cars then uh uh, uh fifth and sixth you had corvette and and the, and the first of the mustangs seven laps down uh it was a very difficult race for corvette they seemed to be dropping like flies at one point uh, in the 13 which was in um the gtd class i believe um they <laughs> almost immediately you know they they didn't get to take the start uh, I, I, I believe the car wouldn't fire up. Yeah, um, they all had electrical issues throughout the whole weekend. So lots of teething issues for the new uh, Corvette. I mean, yellow Ferrari. I was going to say, uh, well, it's a yellow Ferrari. <laughs> it's got Italian electronics. Is that really insurpri- yeah. surprising? Um, I guess to say uh, Chevrolet didn't have as bad of a race as Lexus did. I think it's fair to say. Um, the 14 Vasha Sullivan car, one of the first high profile retirements i believe they were leading at the time as well uh when yeah. they were collected in the accident that you mentioned earlier between the 33 and i, I believe it was uh, stephen thomas um at the time uh, one of the lmp2s um completely innocent bystand uh, bystanders it was um uh which, which who was driving the lexus at the time it was uh barnacote was it ben barnacote driving no, it was Mike Conway. It was Conway. Yes, you're right. Mike, Mike Conway. Yeah, and and yeah, completely innocent bystander. Nothing they could do about it. But that damage, they, they managed to get the car back out later on. But it was over thirty. I think it's thirty-seven laps down by did the time. Did they really it came get out. it back out? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. I believe shit. it was only briefly though. I didn't see that car for much longer after that point, and they eventually retired after doing three hundred ninety-seven laps. So they still did yeah. a lot of running, and I'm assuming they spent the rest of it in, in a test session. So also, yeah, we, we I, I'm, saw I'm the, right. We, it, it was the number twenty LMP two with uh, Dennis Anderson, Seth Lucas, Lawrence Hoare, and Scott Huffaker. That yeah, was, we that was we saw the impact, right? And I mean, it was it was heavy. And then I later on saw the car being, you know, towed through. So I, I that was like, man, that's a write off. That car was done. Yeah, they got it There's out no again. They got it out relatively quickly got, as well. I think it was within an hour of the crash. It was back circulating yeah. again. 
That's nuts. That's insane. But, so I mean, shout hey, out to all the guys. These guys are professionals. Yeah, sh- yeah, yeah, professionals, dude. They were, they were incredible. Um, it wasn't much of a better story for the sister car as well. Um, they weren't. I, I don't think they were in contention for the win at the time in the final hour, uh, the number twelve uh, for GTD honors. However, they were still running um, when the car burst into flames on pit on pit exit shortly after making a stop. Um, I don't know whether we've heard what was wrong with it. I assume it was brakes. Uh, that that just caught fire to the rest of the front of the car because I, I I don't know it it just went up. It was a strange one. Yeah, that was I mean glad the driver was able to mm. to get himself out okay you know no injuries sustained just really sucks especially with all the performance they had the entire speed weeks and roar leading up to this you know and also the BOP revolving around their car and then for them to have nothing to show for it from both cars that's. That's rough. Yeah, and that and that's something I want to I want to add. You know, Vassar Sullivan was so strong last year. Definitely the strongest car on in both GTD and GTD Pro, I would say. And then you know they they were very close to scoring both pole positions last week, and yet every other car got affected by the BOP except them. I do not understand yeah. that whatsoever. So, I mean, as you said, they don't have anything to show for that very advantageous BOP, but I am worried going forward uh, as to how strong they're going to be for the rest of the season. Um, maybe their BOP is this race. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it, it was a shame. I was I was kind of pulling for the 12 in the end, mainly for Ritomo Miata uh, because the guy is a legend. Um, but glad that Aaron Tielitz was able to get out of the car. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a shame that the mechanics didn't get the um, result that they, deser- that they deserved after their efforts earlier on. But back at the front of GTD, uh, it was a uh, big story for the world of sim racing, I would say, uh, with Daniel Morad taking the Winwood Racing Mercedes home to win for, for Winwood for Mercedes. Uh, 2.7 seconds over AF Corsa at the flag. Uh, the car co-driven by Ellis, Donche, and uh, and Ward. Um, and just seeing the pictures of Morad after the race, you know, I, I I think he was probably crying for a solid hour afterwards. That that was really cool to see. Yeah, what a drive! I I, I especially like the in car footage of him as he crossed the finish line. Yeah, right. Like, dude, screaming so hard, his fucking voice voice broke. You know. Uh, yeah, glad to see it. it. Wonderful, wonderful win for a wonderful guy. You know. Yeah, it's always great to see the the passion that all the drivers and teams have and and put into all the hard work for these races, especially for these crown jewels like Daytona. So, you know, they did a great drive. They weren't the fastest, you know, in any single session, but they wanted the endurance race with strategy and they were fast when they needed to be fast. You know, I don't think other than um, the Porsche in, in GTP, none of the winners were at any time like the favorite going into the race. They were all just consistent and used strategy to get in position. They weren't just blazing fast and just crushing everybody else. So it was good to see strategy and execution play a, a role in all these wins. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as I said, second place would go the way of AF Corsa uh, in the in another Ferrari uh, with Man uh, Herio Molina and uh, Cosolino behind the wheel. And the podium in GTD would be rounded out by Conquest Racing in another Ferrari uh, with Franco, uh, Costa <laughs> Balboa, Balzan, and Spirazuli 
finishing off that podium. I also want to give a shout out to the Iron Dames. They finished sixth uh, in GTD. Um, their race wasn't um, easy either. They had a couple of off-track moments as well, either um, on their own or with assistance. Uh, so good for them to finish uh, as the last car lap down in sixth. Um, is there anyone else I want to shout out in uh, GTD? No, no one's... Uh, the Acura was super strong, and then of course. the car went pork. Yes, the but gradient it, racing at the beginning. That you know, they they were they were mixing it up there for the lead. They were with Catherine Leg behind the wheel. Really, really cool to see. Um, we, yeah. we mentioned the Mustangs earlier. Obviously, they finished. Um, th- their best car was sixth in GTD Pro. Uh, they also had the 65 ninth in GTD Pro, and then in in GTD. Uh, they uh, finished down in 20th after retiring early on. Uh, there seemed to be an instance of um, rapid disintegration of the rear end, perhaps. <laughs> just, just just a little bit, you know, trying to get a little extra straight line speed, getting a long tail version, uh, shedding some weight at the same time. Uh, although I do have a question for Greg, since you were there. Um, which car is bigger, the BMW M4 GT3 or the new Mustang? Because the they Mustang. are big boys. Yeah, <laughs> new no, they're very, very big boys. Yeah. <laughs> so the Mustang Edge, is it you say? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay, cool. It, it, it's a much bigger car. Louder, taller. Like, yeah. It's just, that thing's a monster. Excellent. Uh, where did Brad Pitt finish? Oh, yes. <clears> the, yes, <throat> of course. We are duty-bound to mention <laughs> that there was <laughs> a car in the field. Now, I... I, I need some clarification on this so that car was competing so that it, it uh yes it was yeah. ranked and was eligible for yeah. positions but where did the I mean, where did it finish in the end seventh seventh not bad elliot skier was one of the drivers yeah i mean if you know it's this this ain't the formula one show cars that go around on their own sessions they were mixing it up days of thunder shooting style you know yeah yeah, man. Like I was, I was really happy to see him take the race start. We watched the race start. And I was like, "Oh shit! All right, they're gonna have him in for a couple of hours." And I'm out there at like two o'clock in the morning, and they're, you know, sending it on the inside of the dames at fucking turn six, going back up onto the banking, you know. And I'm like, "Oh, damn! They're really doing the damn thing." <laughs> and then uh, I guess they pulled that car out, or maybe because they had a, a no, few of them there. They have uh, six of those cars. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that they maybe uh, pulled another one out while that one was running on track and did some other things. I'm not going to spoil the movie. No spoilers here. You, uh, you could see it pop up somewhere during the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it definitely it definitely made another appearance somewhere else. So, <laughs> uh, but no, they they did all right. You know, fucking race car drivers doing race car things. Yeah, only two laps off the lead. Yeah. After 24 hours, that's no mean feat. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing. They said they had three weeks of filming in and around Daytona, including the weekend, for about 10 minutes of the film. Yep. yep. Oh. You know, filming takes a long it time. Does. I don't. I mean, if you if you've never like worked on any kind of video production or anything like that, like, I mean, it 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 takes a long time for just a little bit of footage. Yeah. Especially if you want it to be up to like industry standards of lighting and you know all that stuff, it's crazy. It's crazy how long it takes to make a movie. Yeah, and I think I think they said they're shooting this thing in 150 days this year. Damn, jeez. 
Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. I don't care if it's bad. I just want to see what footage they captured, to be honest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 100%. That's 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 my that's my attitude exactly. Mm. Everybody's already got their opinions about it. it's going to suck. It's going to be, you know, b- full of fucking clichés and blah 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 blah. I'm like, I don't really care. Yeah. It's going to be, be a, a better a, movie. Yeah. Than I, I was I was there while they were filming the Emissary, so that's fucking cool. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Um what, staying in Daytona very briefly, we'll mention the Michelin Pilot Challenge race. Obviously, you were there with Core Motorsport. Um, just briefly before we talk into the other results, how did it go for Core? It, it wasn't exactly the same as the double win in VP uh, the week weekend before, but still decent. Yeah, yeah. We started eighth uh, after qualifying, obviously eighth, uh, and finished right where we started. So it wasn't, you know, there was no net loss, but we didn't gain anything over the weekend. And that, that was kind of disappointing. I was hoping we were going to get, you know, a better result, especially after getting a double win the the week before. <clears throat> but unfortunately, uh, I'll just, I'll just say we got hit pretty hard yeah. with uh, some balance of performance changes and, and some other things that I won't quite get into, but yeah, uh, it, a lot of it affected our race weekend, which is really unfortunate because I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close with a lot of guys on the team at this point after being there for a year. Uh, you know, one of the guys from Oklahoma has been in Florida away from his wife and family prepping the car since like the beginning of January, and he's he's still there. He's not leaving for like another week. Jeez, you know. And then we're gonna turn right back around and be there in March for Sebring. So. Uh, these guys are working their fucking asses off. They 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 loaded up the car Friday night, the the Michelin pilot car. We got everything in the trailer, drove to the shop, which is like fifteen minutes from the track. Took the MPC car out, put the VP car in, put some other stuff in the trailer. Drove three and a half hours to uh, Sebring to be up at seven in the morning for a drivers' meeting in the first session at ten a.m. Saturday morning after you know doing the whole Michelin pilot thing. So these guys are, are fucking animals right now. And I got, I got to get a shout out to everybody on the crew. Cause they just killed it. But unfortunately the weekend just didn't go how we wanted. So that's like, I guess all I'll say about yeah. that. It was a good race. Um, other than that, it came down to your tradition. There was some good racing early on and it came down to fuel mileage, which is always entertaining. Um, and ultimately it ended up coming, it ended up with Kelly, My, uh, Kelly Moss with Riley, uh, taking victory with Dickinson McCarthy and, uh, Golan, uh, behind the wheel 1.9 seconds ahead of the windward racing Mercedes of Ward and Morad again. Um, they were the first of the cars that made a pit stop, um, toward the end and they were chasing down Kelly Moss in, in the final few laps. It was really, really tense finish. You had one car pit from the lead on the on the final lap like taking the white flag really entertaining race um and i want to give a special shout out to the winners in touring cars in tcr because uh, the number 17 jdc miller motorsports car took the victory after a sequence of events that even jerry Bruckheimer would say were not believable enough uh, to put on the big screen. Their, their car would not fire prior to qualifying, and they went through a whole checklist of issues, of electrical uh, fixes to try and get it, and they couldn't do it. They got down to it being the ECU, and they weren't even then weren't sure whether that was going to be the, prob- the, the fix to the problem. Um, 
they couldn't source another part within Daytona. They had to get an ECU flown in from Mexico, which arrived, I believe, under an hour before the race started. They got it fitted. They started last and they won. What a story. What an effort. Yeah. That's mad. That <laughs> incredible. And they said, like, they were texting the guy, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm stuck in customs. The line is really long. They're like, the race is going to happen in less than an hour. And he didn't They're speak like, English. He, 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 he yeah, was he only speak speaking English in Spanish. Either. So they had someone <laughs> translating for the team as well. They ended up taking him back to Daytona to watch the race because, I mean, you would. This Why guy's not? just saved yeah. it. And they end up yeah. winning yeah. the damn thing. Awesome. Hell yeah. All on Ultimate that guy. feel good story. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Roberto. That, that's yeah. what they, they called him. Yeah. They should have taken a picture with that guy the, on the podium. If they don't give him the trophy, then, you know. <laughs> absolutely. That, that's such yeah. a cool story. Yeah. Because yeah, they, they can't source it from Audi because Audi doesn't make those TCRs anymore. So then they have to scrounge up anything on the used market. The car they sourced it from was in a storage locker in Mexico. It's just Jesus mad. Christ. It's just so Usually cool. you get other things from their storage lock. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but just wanted to give that a shout out because that's such a cool story. I, I highly recommend if uh, if you want to hear more about that story, go search it up online. I'm sure there's a full documentation of the events. Just just awesome. That's, that's the spirit yeah, they, of they, racing right there. Yeah, they interviewed uh, one of the drivers – uh, Mikey Taylor, uh, I believe. Himself, radio did. Yeah, and he he gave the full breakdown. It is worth the listen. Yeah, it's abs- it absolutely is. Uh, overall, yeah, re- really, really cool Rolex 24 weekend. The the racing season has officially kicked off now. Yeah, we're here. Um, it, I'm we're here. so happy. And then we're going to ruin it because next week is the clash and it's going to bring us back down to earth. Um, I mean, you're not ready for Machine Gun Kelly to kick off the oval racing season? Fuck off. Just <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward for to the NASCAR Mexico Series heat races, yeah. and then I'm turning off the TV. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, there was another 24-hour race on it exactly the same time, which was massively unfortunate for the Dubai 24. Uh, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. They had to reschedule this race to the same day as Daytona after the uh, ongoing problems in the Red Sea uh, affecting shipping. Um, you know, I, I pay attention to Dubai very little as it is, but when it's on at the same time as the Rolex, it completely slipped my mind, to be honest. I, I don't think I watched more than a minute of it, to be honest. Um, but just to give it a brief <laughs> mention... Um, uh, it was East Talent Racing Team uh, for uh, giving Audi their fourth win of the Dubai 24 uh, with Christopher Haas, Simon Reicher, Marcus Winkelhock, Mike Joe, and Gilles Magnus um, taking the win after 603 laps. Um, and that's about all I have to say. <laughs> I didn't it's watch a good it. track. It is. Yeah, it was. It is. It, it was on the same time during Daytona, like you just said. And so you would think walking through the uh you know the campsites you would be seeing little snippets of it nope i saw more u.s figure skating <laughs> on on tvs <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding there were people watching the u.s figure skating compete at the same time that you know you're watching daytona on the other screen so nobody was even paying attention. Oh. we were watching you know triple axles and shit 
So. That's such a shame. It, it, it's, it's, it is a shame. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not a particular fan of that event. It doesn't grab me in the same way. But there are a, a vast legion of people out there who consider Dubai as amongst their favorite endurance races of the year. And that does have its merits. And it's, it's a completely unfortunate set of circumstances that led to them having to, to, to postpone it. But there wasn't much yeah. else they could do. But I'm glad they still had a, a sizable enough grid and they were able to put on sure. a race that I don't know whether was entertaining or not because, as I said, I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, It was really spread out when I tuned yeah. in for the two minutes to watch it. So, yeah. I, I have my feelings about motor racing in that section of the world. You know? I mean, it just un- under, under the context of how... A lot of the money, ha- you know what I'm saying? Like where where money comes from, and where money goes, and what motorsport means. Watching. Like it 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 definitely has a different context, and it it, it doesn't sit right <laughs> with me for some reason. So anyway, after the break, we're going to be talking about Formula E in Saudi Arabia. Um, so <laughs> yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, We'll also, <laughs> that's a great segue. Uh, we'll also be talking about some Formula One news and a little bit of NASCAR news as well. So join us shortly after this for more sports watching. With half the show gone, there's still half the show still to go. This is the Into the Paddock podcast. This is the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Go into the weekend with the Into the Apex Podcast, reliably producing sim racing and iRacing banter for over three years. Tyler, Bradley, Patrick, and Rob come together each week to hang out, and everyone's invited. Coming out of the Motorsport Weekend, there's the End of the Paddock Podcast, where Jordan, Greg, and John will dig deep into all the real motorsport happenings from pretty much every series out there. There are no cold takes on ITP. It's all on the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. We're here for you every week, and we're bringing the provocative motorsport talk. Into the Apex is excited to introduce a monthly subscription. For 99 cents a month, get regular, exclusive audio and video content on the Into the Apex podcast feed presented by Spotify. Into the Apex After Dark, OnlyFans Into the Apex, Infowars Into the Apex. We're not too sure what it's called just yet, but we do know that it's edgy, It's provocative. It's everything we do here at the End of the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. To subscribe, go to endoftheapex.com and hit the subscription button down below. This This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Welcome back to the second part of tonight's episode of the Into the Paddock podcast. Before we get underway talking about Formula E and Formula One, uh, just a quick reminder that um, uh, you should be following us on all of our social media channels. We are at Into the Paddock on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you ever see anything weird on there, um, yeah, it was probably JD posting it, especially if it was over the last weekend. Um, <laughs> Killing it on Twitter. He was. It, it, it was. You should have seen the stuff I didn't let him post. 
Um, oh God. <laughs> so make sure you're following us there so you can stay up to date when we go to, when we go live and to see all of the memes that we post. Um, also, be sure to check out our affiliated podcast on the Into the Apex Podcast Network and uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel and our YouTube channel to see video clips uh, from our shows. And if you feel like joining the cult of the Into the Apex podcast network, uh, you can sign up for 99 cents a month uh, for exclusive content through Spotify and Anchor. Uh, you can check all of that out at intotheapex.com. Yeah, we promise not to use the money for like or for a weapons raid. factory yeah. or, you know, just general. Yeah, yeah. Specifically flavor aid. Yeah. You know. Wait, wait. So, so, um, so you, you guys know, you get know. paid? So cool anyway <laughs> there was a formula e race <laughs> <laughs> excellent cool spoke with a k um anyway yes there was a formula e race over the weekend and after a um i get it because they're a, a quiet ish start to the season in mexico i think we were all hoping <laughs> brilliant um <laughs> that's the joke um <laughs> god damn it this, I always feel like the second half of the show is when we completely go off the rails. It's because like we spend our intermission talking about really dodgy subjects. And then it's like, oh yeah, we have a second half of the show to do. Um, Formula E. Um, yeah, after after Mexico was a bit meh, uh, we were hoping that the doubleheader in Diria was going to be a little bit better. And um, the first race on the Friday was certainly not that. Um Jean-Eric Verne put DS Penske on pole position for Friday's race, but it would be Jake Dennis that would dominate. Uh, the reigning champion qualified third, but quickly made his way to the front in the opening laps um, uh, before disappearing off in the distance. Uh, by the end of the race, Dennis would cross the line with an advantage of over 13 seconds. Uh, the gap had been hovering around five to six seconds until a battle royale kicked off for second place between Jean-Eric Verne and Mitch Evans. Uh, which was probably the most exciting thing that happened over the whole whole weekend, to be honest. That like from lap one till the final lap, they were battling each other. Um, the pair made contact quite a few times. Evans ultimately came off worse after a last lap dive bomb on Vern. Uh, Vern would hold on to take second with Jaguars Nick Cassidy picking up the pieces to claim the final spot on the podium, whilst Evans dropped to fifth behind Sam Bird. Uh, further back Mexico winner and championship leader Pascal Verlaine had a fairly uninspiring race only managing 8th place after qualifying 6th and suffering a poor start the second race of the event on the Saturday would see Oliver Rowland take Nissan to pole position uh, with the other headliner qualifying being a hard crash for Sebastian Buemi that forced the Envision driver to miss the race due to excessive damage uh, Rowland would lose the lead to Robin Freintz on the run down to turn one, and after the first few laps, it quickly became apparent that it would be a battle between Freintz and Cassidy for the win. Uh, after the leaders took their attack modes early on, Cassidy managed to jump into the lead of the race, but Freintz slowly came back toward the race leader as the race neared its end, with Cassidy actually backing Freintz back up toward the pack behind in an effort to save energy. Uh, in the end, Cassidy was able to withstand the pressure from behind to take his first victory with Jaguar, uh, with Freintz settling for second ahead of the pole sitter Oliver Rowland in third. Further back, Verline drove a quite impressive race, actually, to move up from seventh after another poor qualifying and a bad start. Um, Friday's winner, Jake Dennis, only managed one point in 10th place after a nightmare qualifying that saw him only 15th. He said that between Friday's race and Saturday's race, they'd completely ruined his car. He described it as the worst Formula E car he had ever driven. Um, a far cry from the race win he had 24 hours earlier. Um, after the two races, it means 
um, that uh, free podiums in the free first races of the season means Nick Cassidy has a decent lead of 18 points ahead of second place Pascal Verlein in the championship. Uh, with Jaguar comfortably ahead in the constructors with a margin of 29 points over DS Penske. Um, and yeah, I think we know what we're talking about because myself and JD, we both picked Nick Cassidy for the championship. Greg, as you've as you've zoomed in in the background on your prediction, you picked Pascal Verlein. They're one two yeah. in the championship right now. We, do we know what we're talking yeah. about? <laughs> it's almost like we pay attention to motorsport and can, <laughs> within a certain degree, kind of know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're getting better at our jobs is what it is. I, I think we are. We're slowly becoming yeah. competent, which is not the MO of this show. No, not at all. I don't aim for competency, really. I just aim for, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't really aim for anything other than just, let's have a good fucking time. Just a vibe. You aim for a good <laughs> yeah. vibe. That's it. Yeah, like, 100%. Why not? Why not? Um, but no, I mean, it, it's been a dream start to the season for Nick. You know, I, I, I thought that his move up to Jaguar was going to be was going to bear fruit fairly early on, and here he is, three rounds in, three podiums and a win. Um, he's looking strong. I was a bit worried for Pascal Verlein. You know, after Mexico, I was thinking, okay, similar start to last year. Let's hope he's. Let's hope he and Porsche have have improved upon that. And then Daria, they just didn't seem quick. It's, that really sucks. It's a it's a shame. <laughs> I, I I feel like everyone's going to be hard pushed if, if Jaguar can keep consistent and usually they are very consistent. I it's, it's going to be hard to beat Nick to be, to be completely honest. And when you consider his teammate, Mitch Evans also struggled in the second race, didn't qualify very well and, and missed out on points in 11th place. Nick very quickly has yeah. become championship favorite in my mind. I mean, we'll see. We're only two races. Well, I guess not two races, two events into the season. I did. And you know, speaking of two races, this doubleheader format is, I don't know, questionable at times because it, it, it's not like you have time to repair the car like you would normally, you know, in a, in a normal race calendar weekend. So uh, for all the guys that didn't make it to the next race, that really sucks. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I just have a feeling. They usually have enough time between, like, if they crash in the in the first race, they nine times, I think there's only ever been one or two instances where a crash the day before has significantly impacted a driver the following day. I think the real problem is the one-day format they traditionally run, where if you have a crash in qualifying, you're up against it. Look at yeah. Amy, you know, they had a, an issue with the survival cell after his crash, and that was it. He couldn't race. Uh, but equally, the one-day format is very much integral to what Formula E is. You know, they, they're they they're a low-impact motorsport. They don't want to impact the area they're racing in for very long. So you know that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, one yeah. thing I would say is that I wish that they wouldn't keep switching from single race events to double header events. I wish they would standardize it and either have two. Yeah. I would prefer two. Two would be cool, or just have one because it gets a little bit like there, there's like three races this season which are one are one event races and then the rest are double yeah, headers at this point or something so just oh i, know I don't want to meet the jaguar tls in the dark alley because he will murder me viciously you look at him he is a straight bond <laughs> villain yeah you, you we <laughs> we were watching the, <laughs> the second race and 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 you were saying that you were like 
all of like, these guys look really like, menacing. You'd rather quit your job and not even go up to them and Good be like, God. hey, I'm leaving. Like, you just feel so much shame and dread having to walk up to that person and tell them bad news. So I see why Nick Cassidy's on fire. He doesn't want to disappoint him. <laughs> it's just fear. Yeah. I'd tell you what, I'd, I'd rather meet Ian James than the Formula EJ, to be honest. Like, especially after what mm. we said about him last year. Like, I feel like he's out for revenge. I haven't seen him in a while. I don't know where he is. You know that thing about, would you take a million dollars but be followed by a snail for the rest of your life? I feel like (laughs) the EJ would be a similarly scary thing. You know, he's probably got a a pretty good cult following. There's, There's probably a lot of people who really do like the Formula E. Maybe we should turn it around. Should, should we start the, should, should we? Should, should we be? Should we be the cult of the Formula E? We would be the people playing the boss oh, music. Man, well, I don't even know people. what that would look like. You know, in The Force Awakens, <laughs> how Kylo keeps Vader's burnt helmet. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we probably have to kill the Formula EJ first, and then burn him on a funeral pyre on Endor, and um, and then keep the helmet. And then we're yeah. not going to kill the, the Knights Egypt. of Ren. We're going to release him like, from his corporeal shell so he can ascend to a higher plane of DJ-ness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Like up there with, like, like with Avicii. Gosh, darn. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the wow. next round of Formula E takes place <laughs> after. Hyderabad got cancelled. Um, we've now got a little bit of a wait. The next race isn't until mid-March, I believe, in Sao Paulo. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I really like Avicii. It's just he's the first dead DJ I thought of. Um, but yeah, hopefully Formula E will turn it around. I think Mexico traditionally hasn't been the best place for overtakes. And, and Saudi Arabia, whilst it's a fun track to drive, again, there's there's only really two passing points there it doesn't really suit the type of racing and then you've got the fact that the race distance this time didn't lend itself to the energy conservation so it kind of changed the format of the racing um so yeah i'm I'm hopeful that by the time sao paulo comes around maybe you know that race was an absolute banger last year the it was it was off the scale The, the top three were under under half a second by the end of it Hopefully, Sao Paulo will will put on a race that's more representative of what we've known Formula E can produce in this current yeah. generation. Because um, it's not been a great start, to be quite honest. I know. They're, they're, it's disappointing because we talk it up a lot. Yeah. And, right? and last we, year, it really, really fulfilled that. So Yeah. I really want people to come around and stay forever uh, with with Formula E. It, 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 needs, it needs growth. It needs a lot of growth. Do you and know what they need? It's not... Uh, what they need the Formula EJ to be more of a presence. I feel. Yes. I think we 100%. all need more presence from the Formula EJ. Yes. He he knows. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on from uh, a hopeful cult to an actual cult, Formula One, because um, they have not had a great week either in the news department. Uh, very briefly, before we talk about the main thing, as we discussed last week, it's now been confirmed that Alpha Tauri have changed their V-carb. name to Visa Cash App RB. Um, I, 
I, yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but we've heard that internally they are referring to the team as V-carb, which sounds like I'm going to get diabetes in robots. It's when you're consuming like, I, calories I'm not a fan of that. a high I, velocity, I velocity carbs, 200 miles an hour, and I'll have a baguette. Thank you very much. <laughs> it sounds like one of my sticks of RAM has failed. And and now my computer's gone into V Carb. It's such a bad name. I I said this with with Team Kick, Alpha Romeo, Clem Fandango, Sauber F1 team. That that when you have to come up with different ways of identifying your team, your team name is wrong. Like it, it, when you need to abbreviate it, or when you need to 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 do something else to to actually have some kind of recognition for it, it's just a bad name. And it's yeah. even worse with Visa Cash App RB. As many people, you know, the, the the journalists who are directly employed by Formula One were out in force trying to defend it, as they always are. And and well, most <laughs> of them didn't lose their V carbs until like midway through college. Yeah, so exactly. That explains so, a lot. Um, so um, yeah, they, they were out in force trying to defend it, and they were like, "Oh, but other teams have got sponsors in their names, like Petronas, Mercedes, Formula One." Yeah, but whenever, when do you ever call them Petronas? You call them Mercedes because that's the identifying yeah. thing. What is the identifying it's, it's thing? When about teams Visa, sell out RB? their integral identity for the um, sake of the sponsorship, instead of the sponsorship being added onto the central figure of the team, like it's. Like McLaren, they have 200 billion sponsors, but you still know them as the McLaren Formula One team. Like you just said, Mercedes, Mercedes Patronus Formula One team. It's not Patronus Formula One team by stake cash app. It's Mercedes. Even Red Bull, the main Red Bull team is still Red Bull Racing, and they'll be like Ford Red Bull Racing, whatever. It still has that integral central pillar of the team's identity. But with Sauber and now with... I'm still going to call them AlphaTauri. They just throw all of that out the window. They don't care about anything except the money, even though we're in a cost cap era where all these teams are very much profitable. It just loses that yeah. passion and makes it more more cold corporate and whimsical, like all these sponsors could just vanish in a year, and then the teams are SOL. So it's really... Yeah. 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 Even Sauber, like you can call them Sauber. Like there's no even even if they changed Visa Cash App RB to Visa Cash App Racing Bulls, which is not what the RB stands for. The RB stands for Red Bull, which is even worse because and now Sauber's going to change its name again. It'll, it's the two being teams. bought by Audi, like, slowly, but surely it'll be called know, Audi in a point, couple of years. It's yeah. gone from minority but with to Visa Cash so App RB. It's just AlphaTauri now Visa so. Cash App yeah. RB. It's disappointing. The There's name no changes, I don't it. mind. It's just the fact that there is no identifying thing there. There's no soul, exactly. It's just it's just bad. And speaking of things that have no soul, the other bad announcement this week uh, relates to the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, and as I said in the first half, if this is part of a guerrilla marketing campaign to try and get people to like circuit to Barcelona Catalonia a little bit more then they've succeeded because they announced uh, on Tuesday I believe that from 2026 the Spanish Grand Prix will move from Barcelona to a street circuit in Madrid something nobody asked for something nobody wanted um and it's a it, it looks to be a terrible layout it's another soulless 
street track. Now, I, I've driven the track on a sim. It's not going to be the most accurate thing in the world. It, obviously, there's going to be changes made. It'll, it'll be wider in places, probably. There'll be some slight tweaks between now and then, I'm sure. But just driving it, there's no overtaking spots, especially for a series like Formula One, where they struggle to overtake can, anyway. It's, it's almost like did, the track Do we have confirmation that Herman Tilke is... It's terrible. Business or his son designed this track. Be- because they should not be allowed to design street um, courses. I because um, all of them are frankly terrible. Like, I, like you said, I, I watched you. I watched Jarno Otmir do laps of it on a set of Corsa. And the track is just nonsensical. Like like you were saying, when, we were, when you were driving it, there are no places to overtake any place to to be to have racecraft displayed is just purposely ruined whether the the walls are too close or the corners go out too far for some reason it's a really soulless place and i don't think it'll be a good race unless this is all just a big ploy to get max out of f1 sooner because he hates all these these street tracks he hates the soullessness of them so <laughs> if that's the goal they're doing a great job just that they might scare away more than just max verstappen and that's a hilarious thing so this track is a hybrid like half of it is is on streets and half of it and vietnam built for the grand prix similar to vegas but the the parts the part yeah we don't air talk Jordan about um, that track was horrific, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, the the part that's the worst part of the Madrid track is the purpose built bit. Like you could do almost anything. Well, not almost. They've they've got some constraints, I'm sure. But how that they've got a canvas to do something else, and they chose I mean, to do. We've that. seen this. It's just not I've seen it over and over with all these brand new tracks. I, I they hate- ha- with the exception of Coda, strangely, you give the track designers a blank canvas and then they go ahead and don't do anything imaginative or creative with it. Seen it with Yas Marina, even though they just had a recent refresh that made it better, just the original version of the track was awful. So Bahrain, the original layout, that was just squiggly lines of nothingness. Uh, see it with a whole bunch of these these tracks, like they, they literally built, have islands, man-made islands built for these tracks. Jeddah as well, like, and they choose to go with the most unimaginable layout that is not conducive to good racing. They just want, okay, I want two billion technical turns as far as it being an S that you could just drive straight down, and then no passing zones. It's just, it's just so frustrating. I don't want F1 to come back. I've been too happy. IMSA made me too happy. I there don't are want too F1 many to streets. So, yeah. Yeah. There, there are, <laughs> there have been for a while too many street tracks in Formula One. And it now feels like, you know, there's rumors that Suzuka is going to be replaced because that contract's up for renewal. And the city of Osaka is bidding for a Formula One Grand Prix as well. So that would be, you know, Catalonia. It's never been every, anybody's favorite Formula One track. However, it's infinitely more preferable to this shit show of a track in Madrid. But if we I were like to, it. I don't understand why there's so much hate for it for Catalonia. I mean, it's a fun yeah. track to drive. I think the problem is for so long is it, it was the home of preseason testing for Formula One, and yeah. therefore the teams got too comfortable with it, and the race always suffered as a result. 
it's a fun track to drive. And especially in the last few years since they took away the chicane and re- reprofiled the hairpin as well, it's it's gotten better. Um, you know, it it was it was a it was a, a mid Formula One track, and yet everyone is now like that's how much people hate the Madrid track is that they all are rallying behind wanting Catalonia. And the worst part of it is, is that Formula One have said that they are trying, they haven't ruled out both tracks being on the calendar. And that's in in a calendar that's already overinflated. Again, I've I've said this before, there shouldn't be multiple races in the same country with a possible exception of places like the United States, which are huge markets for it. And you can have one race on one coast and another race on the other coast. You know, that's, that's acceptable. Um, but you know, Imola and Monza shouldn't be on the calendar at the same time. They should be joint for the Italian Grand Prix and should host it every other year. In my mind, if they if they had Barcelona hosting it one year and then Madrid the next year, I could accept that. Um, despite the fact that you know we we wanted for years Barcelona to get rid of the final chicane and now they've made it turn one at Madrid. You know that that's quite annoying. <laughs> um, it's just there's so much about this. There's too many street the tracks. There's that too many races. F one makes so much money from Formula One sanctioning shit. fees to have these races <laughs> in these places. I was listening to, um, I think it was Midweek Motors, where they were talking about the average fee for a track to host an F1 race is $25 million. Some tracks, it's more. Saudi Arabia is $55 million. And other tracks, it's less, like Monaco, that's $15 million. They it, you know, multiply that by 24 races. That is a crap ton of money that Formula One is pulling in just for the tracks to host them, let alone all the sponsorship deals, the TV money and everything else. It, it, it's all about that money. And if Catalonia gets outbid by Madrid, then guess where F1 is going to go. They don't care about racing. Like they've been contemplating getting rid of spa for the last five years. You know, we all don't want them to, but if they keep raising these sanctioning fees, we're not going to have any of the classic and good tracks left on the calendar. It's just sad. Um, there was some good news in the realm of Formula One over the last few days. Uh, well, depending on if you're fans of the drivers and the teams. Um, silly season is starting and ending very very quickly, it seems, with uh, both Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris signing multi-year contra- or contract extensions with Ferrari and McLaren, respectively. Um, we don't know the exact tenures of either driver's contracts, um, with Norris, we know that he will be there until the end, uh, at least through the end of 2026, at least. Um, Leclerc, I would imagine, is on a similar kind of deal. Um, very briefly, what do we think of the decision for both to re-sign? You know, Norris was being headhunted by Red Bull. I think it's fair to say even they they would admit that. And Leclerc, you know, we know that Ferrari have been somewhat disappointing over the last couple of years, but... Did either driver realistically have any better options than staying put? No. And I don't think anybody on the grid really has any better options than than where they are right now. You know, I mean, it, it seems like a season of uh, yeah. staying where the no, fuck I, you're I at. agree completely. I mean, I f- people yeah. are like, oh, Lando Norris, are you scared of Red Bull? No, he's just doing what's best for him and his career. I mean, he's... The McLaren is his team right now. Why would he go to play second fiddle to Max Verstappen at Red Bull? He's not going to take over Max's spot. And if anything, it just leaded to a big confrontation with Max and implosion of the team if he tried to go there. And with Charles Leclerc, 
but the same with Lando. He is the center point of the Ferrari Formula One team. He's the main guy, and there's no other options out there. Like it really is just okay. I guess I'll just stay where I'm at because I'm there's nothing better out there for me unless you want to take a pay cut and actually do some good racing in sports cars. Yeah. Um, Lando said it very well in an interview with Sky uh, after re-signing. When you look at where McLaren were at the start of last season and you look at where they ended, where they were the closest challenger to what was arguably the most dominant Formula One guy in history. Yeah. That's good. That's good progress. You know, to to be that close to the most dominant car in history. You know, maybe he's onto something there. You've spent all this time helping develop this car with this team. Why, Why would you now? just up and leave and go somewhere else? Yeah, exactly. And same thing, same thing for Ferrari. Same thing for, I mean, hell, like I said, everybody on the grid. There's not really anywhere else for anyone to go right now. I think we will uh, see a lot of changes at the end of this year. I think probably. both Alfa Romeo drivers, I think, are going to go. I w- I'd be surprised if Magnussen stays at Haas. Ollie Behrman's waiting in the wings, and he's just been signed as a as a, one of Ferrari's reserve Alex drivers, Alvin despite only being eighteen years old. Um, yeah, yeah. With Audi coming in, there's room there. With Andretti, maybe coming in, probably not. Um, you know, th- there will be some some shuffles, but I think when you're at the top end of the grid, what like your Ferraris and McLarens, the drivers they have. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's much room, much more room at the end at the moment. So. It'll be interesting to see um, what happens toward the end of this year. Um, before we get on to our final bits of NASCAR news, we actually have some breaking news that is coming out right at the time that we're recording, and it's from the world of supercars. Brody Kostecki is leaving Erebus Racing with immediate effect. He will not be retaining, or at least won't be full-time, for what? his uh, championship-defending year. Um Reportedly, in there's fucking- been massive discontent between the uh, driver and the team, um, led by Barry Ryan. Um, they were mere rumors for the last couple of weeks. However, it it's now um, been confirmed by Speed Cafe that Kostecki has indeed decided to leave the team and will be on the sidelines for at least the start of the season, if not the entire. Um, I wonder if perhaps, you know, there were rumors of him doing a bit more NASCAR racing following an SVG's footsteps this year. I wonder if he might take the opportunity to follow him over. But this is huge. Yeah, yeah, it's huge news. I mean, we're like weeks away from the start of the season. Yeah. What's the team going to do? Do they have a replacement? I mean, when's Bathurst? There are people getting on planes from Daytona to Bathurst. You're making this call now? It's thought that the replacement will be... um, that, that. um, Todd Hazelwood is believed to be the favorite to take over the 99. Um, he had been expected to be the co-driver uh, for one of Erebus, uh, one of Erebus's cars uh, in the endurance races this year, but it's believed that he will now take up the mantle. Uh, but as for Kostecki, yeah, that we don't know whether he will join a team halfway through the season or whether he might move somewhere else. I have a sneaking suspicion he might take the opportunity to follow Shane over and potentially go and do some NASCAR racing. He had been, he'd said that, that there were strong rumors Jeez. that he was going to be doing several like, like, races this year um, for Richard Childress. All right. But that is literally, as of the time we're recording, that has just come out in the last half an hour that Brody Kostecki will wow. not return. I, I know he has close his championship with Erebus Racing, who he made his, his cup wow. start with at Indianapolis for the road course there. 
But holy crap, what the heck is going on Erebus? They, they seem to, when they have breaks with drivers, it goes full nuclear, like burn all the bridges. Yeah. Yeah, because it was the same oh. with David Reynolds, was it not? Like, uh, it, uh, not too long ago, David Reynolds and now Brody. It, it seems to be something integral with the team, as you say, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say that. It's got to be something upper management related or just, you know, it's, it's got to be the team. It's not the drivers. If it's more than one, you know, if this is a, a consistent thing that happens over there. And it's got to be huge, you know, for a champion to leave the team that he's just won the championship. You know, Erebus are a very strong team. Right. It's got to be a huge disagreement Jeez. to put an end to that. That's huge. Jesus. Yeah, that's a, that's a fucking nuclear meltdown. So we will that. follow up on next week's show as to whether there have been any um, further um, bits of news relating to that coming out. Um, yeah, Todd Hazelwood expected to replace. We'll confirm that in another episode. Wow. Um, that's the first time some news has come out during. Usually that news comes out after we've recorded. That's a refreshing yeah. change. That that felt that felt really good getting breaking yeah. news like at the desk, you know. It's Normally like it's bad. Somebody <laughs> running somebody ran a sticky note over from the newsroom, you know. <laughs> it's it's mainly I was scrolling Twitter because I didn't want to listen to Jimmy. Feelings anymore, mutual. But um anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Uh f- to end the show, very briefly, we have two bits of NASCAR news because as we said in at the end of the first half, the clash is this weekend, and then in in under three weeks now, it will be the Daytona five hundred to kick off the season. Um two little bits of NASCAR news. Uh first one, a tweak to the format this year regarding qualifying. Um the NASCAR Cup Series will continue to run their two groups uh, qualifying sessions uh, leading into, you know, so before they had two groups and then the top X amount from each would go into a uh, final session uh, to determine the pole position. Um, that has stayed the same. There will still be two groups and there will still be a final session to determine pole position. However, the cars that don't make it through will now uh, be lined up on each respective side of the grid. So 11th through 40th, uh, the cars in Group A will all start on the outside row and the drivers in Group B will start on the inside row. This is to kind of prevent the scenario where one group would have much better track conditions. So you would end up with one group all being at the back because temperatures were too hot and another group B all being at the front because they were better. Now there will be a little bit more parity. You'll be starting relatively high up no matter what if you're if you're the fastest in your other group. So I like that change. Um, it's going to be something we don't see for a while because both the Clash and Daytona 500 use completely specialized qualifying formats, but it's a good format. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. No, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see till it's implemented. You know, uh, we, as race fans, we see a lot of these things be, uh, you know, put down on paper and we're like, all right, that's cool. That's cool. It'll work out. And then once it's actually implemented, you know, then you start seeing the flaws in different things because there's a bunch of variables, you know, we could never account for. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see what goes on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's okay. It's it's one of those things that yeah, we we probably won't won't have that much of an impact, but it's it's it makes sense. It's not bad, which for NASCAR is a challenge usually. And finally, in the world of NASCAR, a driver announcement that came about half an hour before the show started, actually. So it's been rather well timed today. Uh, Josh Williams, um, who will be racing full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity series with Colleague Racing, uh, has just announced that he will be racing part-time in several races in the Cup series for Colleague Racing 
uh, driving their number 16 that was vacated by AJ Allmendinger. Um, he will be behind the wheel of the car at the Clash this weekend. Um, and he will also be racing at Atlanta and other starts will be revealed at a later date. Um, I'm happy for him. Um, Josh Williams is a guy I, I completely neglected the, neglected the fact that he had made three Cup Series starts before. And to be honest, until he did his parking on the start-finish line um, trick that he did last year... That was him. I, That's right. I, I, can't, I must say, I, I didn't forgot. really pay much attention to him, but it seems like I his forgot. career's kind of got a big shot in the arm from that. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it, man. That's really uh, cool. Keep it, keep it up. I yeah, I completely forgot about that. I hope this guy has a successful season. I do. He's an extremely <laughs> likable guy as well. He seems to like. There's so many times that you will see a race finish, and the and and he will be the first one to go up to the winner and congratulate them. Um, he he, he doesn't come from you know he he's worked really hard to get the opportunities that he's had. He's raced for teams that haven't had it and have struggled. So yeah. to see a guy like that getting an opportunity with a team like Corlig, which whilst their Cup Series rides haven't been great, their Xfinity cars have been. So we know he'll he'll have a decent shot this year in Xfinity. But but to have the chance to showcase on the Cup Series schedule as well, yeah, it's a it's a really cool it's really cool to see drivers like that get the opportunity. Yeah, it's it's been the perfect storm for him, I think, because the like the context in which he did have his little temper tantrum was, I think, appropriate. Yeah, absolutely, it was related to the damage vehicle amount, policy. Yeah, yeah, and it was bullshit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was outside the uh, realm of like acceptable reactions. Yeah. You know, and the fact that he got his fine paid for him, and not really any other consequences other than that, and then nails this seat. Yeah, I hope he has a successful year. Yeah, absolutely. So do I. Lo- love seeing guys like that get get a chance to 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 showcase themselves. It's really cool. Hope he makes the best of it. Um, that about does it. I'm, I've just checked Twitter again just to make sure we didn't have any more breaking news. Look, we're looking good so far. But um, be sure to follow us on our social media channels at Into the Paddock uh, in case anything comes out in the gap between us us recording this on a Monday night and going out on a Tuesday night everything broke over the last two weeks in that gap so you never know we'll have we'll have some reactions on there before our show next week uh next week we will be looking at the clash at the coliseum um amongst other things um like a machine gun kelly concert yeah i'm sure we'll give an extended review of the uh of the uh machine gun kelly, machine brought gun to you kelly by flavor aid concert <laughs> oh god <laughs> His fans are cultists. Just one hundred percent. Hope I hope he doesn't perform misery business because he. I will never forget I, for that. You, what what I honestly hope happens is this brings fresh faces to NASCAR. I did see a tweet from somebody who was like, "I this I never even heard about this event, and I'm buying tickets because Machine Gun Kelly is going to be there." So you know, take that with take that however you want. That must <laughs> be put Machine Gun Kelly's one fan. <laughs> who cares i mean I, again putting fresh faces exactly. keeping nascar in the conversation yeah period and that's what the clash is for you know a, a, lot, a lot of traditional fans of nascar f- have voiced some feelings of alienation and disinterest when it comes to this event and everything that goes on around it and that's valid you know but it's a non-points race it's it's it, it's, it's meant to be 
a way to get other people interested whether it works or not i don't know because the crowds haven't been exactly amazing especially from the second year compared to the first but we'll just have to see what happens this weekend in in la yeah i i'm interested to see how full it's going to be with it being free oh yeah on the saturday yeah for sure <laughs> like if, if it's not if it's not packed to the fucking gills standing oh, room only on saturday i think nascar has failed yeah you literally can't give away <laughs> yeah you really can't give away tickets to this fucking thing yeah we'll see what happens um in the meantime like i said make sure you're following us on our various social media channels we're at into the paddock on twitter and instagram uh, make sure you head over to intotheapex.com where you can listen to our sister podcast and you can join the Discord to get into contact with us and the rest of the ITA uh, Podcast Network crew. Uh, we're also all on social media ourselves. I'm at jgroves1996 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Greg, where can we find you? Uh, Speed Rat Racing on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, I haven't posted to YouTube in a while, but uh, we are starting up the CSRL racing season on iRacing, so for that to come out i believe on tuesday i'm at pedantic squirrel Excellent. on and twitter JD, and jd 55 sim racing on youtube also i haven't posted anything in a couple weeks but we'll see if i get back to sim racing <laughs> that about does it for this week's episode of the into the paddock podcast join us next week for the clash and more um take care don't join a cult and join us next time see you later <laughs> for listening to Into the Paddock by the ITA Podcast Network. Join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk.